And did you feel for the operating system in the movie Her? Yeah, yeah. I got emotions yeah, for for yeah. it or her or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Hypertox. 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 Hi, and welcome to Hypertox. This time around, it's me, Chris. And I've, with me today, I've got Jim as my co-host. Hey, hey, everybody. And our guest of the day is uh, Mr. Ashkan Fardust, both a global speaker, scientist, trend watcher, bit of everything, space enthusiast. How are you doing, guys? Quite nice well. to be here. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for being here. My pleasure. And so, checking question. So what is your favorite tool for consuming media? I'm going to start with. Any media? Any media. I usually change my mind every now and then, but at the moment, have you tried the new Quartz news app? No, no. no I haven't tried it yet. So it's a news outlet, and mm-hmm. they just released a new iOS app. Maybe it's not new, maybe I just found, about, uh, found out about it. But So it's news, all right? Like mm-hmm. world news, yeah. but it's a chat window, and it's this so-called AI chatting with you. Oh, oh like, yeah, I've heard about this one. Yeah. You heard about yeah, it? Yeah. yeah? It's like, hi, Ashkan, so um, some cool things that happened today in Paris, and then you can answer by text or by choosing a couple of replies. And depending on how you reply, uh, the app either digs in further into the news uh-huh. or you can say, I'm not interested, and then it gives you something else, you know? So it's like, it's news in a conversation with a robot. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh. And I really liked it. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. Why should I re- do a chat just to get the news? But I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's fresh. Maybe in two weeks I'll hate it. That that's yeah. will go over to my answer, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I think my main source today yeah. is probably Twitter. And that is because it's that getting the news from somebody else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I would say that's where I'm consuming most, like where I get my info. Because I maybe I rely on somebody else saying it to me. Yeah. Rather than knowing Maybe a few people. Maybe with the AI, I'm not sure. I'll, but it sounds actually really nice. Yeah, I don't know if it is actual AI or if it's. I maybe it's just the team curating the news, <laughs> yeah. and then they have some presets that makes it look like AI. Some guy in a bunker sitting. Maybe right into yeah. You. yeah. So I mean, I don't think I don't know if it's uh, AI at all, no. but it looks like. It. But Both. I agree. Twitter is after this. Uh, yeah, Twitter totally. What about you? Me? I, I try to find like different news outlets everywhere. So maybe I have three or four different news apps. And like the only moment I have is, is on the subway on the way to work or school in the morning. Like the rest of the day is just work. And then when you come home, I just crash, you know, and I do things yeah. which I want to do. Yeah. So like caring about the world is like that brief window of 10 <laughs> minutes in the morning where you have to cram in a geopolitical understanding of everything happening <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and then maybe if I feel like it, I'll open my laptop for an, on a news site in the evening and just check what's happening. What can you do? News Working apps. hard. Yeah. News apps, yeah. yeah. It's like simplest, easiest, quickest way, most versatile. Either that or learn some kind of language. Try to make something effective of your morning. You do that? Yeah. You learn a new language? Yeah. I priority order of either news or Duolingo. One of the two. Whoa. Nice. You just made me feel like shit. <laughs> I just started doing power walks in the morning and I felt like I'm the best. Yeah. I'm the best morning me too. person. Me too. You do? Yeah. yeah. Doing it. Half an this hour the next station. languages? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm inspired. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Likewise. What's the language on the menu? At it's the French at the moment. French? Yeah. Mm. 
so you know so I want to become a bit more cultural oh, so yeah. next episode is going to be in French I completely yeah, sweet let's dig into you Ashkan you do a lot of things what would you say you mainly do today I think all the different things I do is covered by one giant umbrella is a theme that goes through everything I try to do and that's I guess you could say I want to show everyone including myself I want to remind everyone that we are all living in an age where we are all superheroes okay. that's how I see it because technology has become so cheap so easy to use and so accessible that literally anyone can turn any idea into reality with little or no money, right? You folks at Hyper know it more than anyone else. But I want to remind everyone that you have the potential to become a superhero. Now, that could be you become the next Elon Musk, or you create an agency with two friends and you do what you love to do. Doesn't matter, you're still a superhero because you could do what you chose to do. So that's what I try to remind everyone, including myself as often as I can, but in different formats, thereby the different things I do. That's but I think they're all connected. That sounds awesome. Talking about superheroes and finding your thing that you can do, yeah. uh, we started discussing a bit about AI, and we thought we'd dig into that today. Sure. Because that's both an interest of yours, mine, and <laughs> yeah, mine right too. Well, I think cool. You do future trend watching yeah. for Swedish National Television yeah. as well. What's your take? Where are we heading? Well, recently, did you see the news about Elon Musk and a group of other really talented engineers, including Vicky Chong, who co-founded Duolingo, actually? So they started this institution or group called OpenAI, so Open Artificial Intelligence, mm. and they put one billion U.S. dollars into it. And the purpose of this institution is to create a force in society where you do AI research and you open source it so that the power of using AI is balanced towards the people and not just the companies. And I think that says a lot about where we're heading because if these super talented, super smart engineers believe that AI is slowly but surely becoming so advanced that it could become an evil power. And Stephen Hawking said it as well, right? Yeah. One of the biggest threats to humanity could be bad AI, right? So I think this says more than anything where we're headed. Mm. So I think we're at an intersection where we're kind of figuring out how to tap into the human level of AI. Mm. We're not there yet at no, all, not. in my opinion. And I think people much smarter than me agree about that too. But we're slowly, slowly seeing the horizon mm. of reaching human AI. And I think the prediction at the moment from the people within the field is sometime between year 2050 and 2075, mm. we should have human level AI. But from there on, it's going to be super fast, right? Because if a computer that's as smart as us exists, mm. it could be able to create an even better computer much faster than a human. And when you have two of those and they can work together, you know, that's the idea at least. So from then on, it's kind of out of control. So now we have this open AI institution where all of the research being done is going to be open sourced in order to combat evil AI. Yeah, I think that says a lot about where we're heading. But this open institution, is it anybody can come in and help out or is it more that anybody can create their own version of an AI? Because I'd imagine that could be a danger 
that somebody yeah. decides to, or who doesn't have the knowledge and accidentally sets yeah. something on, on fire in that aspect. Absolutely. I think it's more about using this money to fund artificial intelligence projects with the premise that if you use our money to do your research, you have to put everything out as open access. Mm. So basically, like the academic model, right? Everything you discover, you publish it in a journal, mm. and it's supposed to be available to the public, which it kind of isn't because you have to pay shitloads of money to access yeah. those academic articles. But So I think that's the general idea, to have a pool of money which you can use for research, but it's going to be totally open for everyone mm. to use. I'd imagine, now, when, when you're talking about AI, because some, you can see like AI to the point of, I guess the true thought of it is when it is just as a human being or as smart as a human being yeah. that's capable of doing the same kind of things how do you see like because i think how i look at it is you can either be using an ai mm -hmm. or collaborating with a, an ai in the future because you either enslave them or they enslave us or whatever you want to believe there but rights and such is that something one should start thinking about like those because just i mean you're creating a being mm. rather than technology that yeah. I guess you. that's a goal yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah or they called the um, Asimov's Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics which oh, are yeah. so famous yeah that you're not supposed to you're supposed to I don't remember all of them but one of them is just that you cannot allow any harm to become of any living human being yeah. any organic yeah. matter yeah. then then you sacrifice yourself first and foremost as yeah. an artificial being I think yeah something yeah. like that and yeah. I forgot the third one what was the third one I don't know I just, remember. <laughs> yeah. I should know this, but I, I, I can't for the life of me, me remember. Too. Yeah. It's in the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lost. It's in the beginning of iRobot. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do not hurt Will Smith. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's a good point. What you, like, yeah, this is way in the future. Yeah. But still, what would be our relation? Do we enslave them, or do we become best friends with them? Even if we become collaborators, who knows if they're gonna take things over? I don't know. But I think it was Wittgenstein mm. who said that if you taught a lion English, perfect English, mm. you wouldn't be able to understand it. And I guess the meaning is what a, how a lion interprets the world is necessarily nothing at all like how a human would interpret the world, right? Exactly. So we look at our world and like, that's a water bottle and... Um, this is a panel for isolating audio or whatever, right? Mm. So we, we have our way of putting things in a structure. Yeah. Whereas an AI maybe sees, maybe the AI can see all the quantum mechanics live happening. Mm. So to the AI, everything is just a big flow of energy. Mm. And there is no purpose for the AI to call that a door. Everything is atoms to the AI. It could still maybe work with, the, with everything, but maybe the world is totally different to the AI. So I guess if we create a real being, depending on the senses we give it access to, I don't think it necessarily is going to become human. Mm. I think that's when we can create a real AI, when we don't mimic the human version. Because if we try to mimic the human, it's just going to be a human, I don't know, a human imitator. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. But if it's totally sentient and creates its own view of the world, mm. maybe it ends up being nothing like a human at all, right? I think this conversation, are we enslaving them, are we becoming friends? It's really tough. Mm. I don't know how they're going to interpret the world. Because I just read yeah. that in the U.S. they 
for example, for the self-driving cars, the it's the actual car that they, they just got, wrote it through, that it's the car that is um, responsible for hitting somebody. Oh, um, they decided that? Yeah, they, or they were, I think they were getting it through, the bill was going through. So, um, which I found like, okay, so the car hmm. itself is being seen as a being, or is yeah. it? I guess that would give give them the next step to go against the manufacturer of the car, but I find it still interesting that they're looking in those terms. It is. Um, I can't remember which state it was. It was a certain state out there, but... Probably maybe Nevada, because that's where they have licenses to drive those Probably. Uh, self-driving cars. So they, they're, that's the goal of the bill, Yeah. that the car is responsible. Yeah. But wow. does that, that and then I'm thinking, how do the rights work for that car? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, will there, will there be a trash compactor penalty equal to the death penalty? Like, yeah, crash too many times, someone died, you're going in the trash compactor. Yeah. Or imagine the Google Koala car sitting in a jail cell. That's going to suck sitting next to that car. It doesn't yeah. talk to you. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah that's really interesting. I, I missed that. That's really cool. Should it be that way, though? Should it be the car? I mean, somebody got to be responsible, yeah. I guess, right? That's that ever-long question, who's yeah. responsible yeah. for it? That depends on, like, I think, how far into the future we're thinking. I mean, because going back to what you discussed, it's kind of the reason for an AI to exist. You know, I'm thinking human beings, we started out as just a societal animal that needed to stay together, and then we built civilizations, and we've grown, and now we live... We live in a society where we, we live and function according to our own rules. We, we built the world around us. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what will an AI have for, like, what, what's, what, will, what will the reason to be for an AI? Yeah. What function will it fill? When the AI becomes sentient, what kind of purpose will it have in life? Will it have the same kind of growing curve? What will happen if we try to program it so it goes through the entire growth process that human beings have? Because we, ha we have to be children. And I'm wondering, did, should you have an AI go through the same process instantaneously? And, and in that case, can you, can you give them a specific character profile or how, how will you nurture an AI if it comes to the point where it's supposed to be equal to a human's mind? Yeah, I'm not ready to become yeah. a dad. I'm just saying that. I'm not ready. <laughs> Here's baby Watson. Yes. <laughs> he loves you. You have to look after him every day. It's like Tamaguchi 2.0. But, yeah. but if we go back to like, let's not look at them. Let's look at what's going to happen to us. Because mm -hmm. I'd imagine there's a lot of big fear about uh, we're going to be losing a lot of jobs because, uh, let's face it, we're not that good at some stuff. Like, we're not all dictionaries. Yeah. Watson is pretty damn good at Jeopardy. Yeah. And then the functions out there are endless, uh, in my opinion. I mean, there, there's so many different opportunities. Yeah. So where were we looking at? How is our, what do you think? So you mean from the perspective of what we already have yeah. working today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to, like, there's going to be a lot that disappears. Yeah. Yeah. What are the predictions on like what is it they say fifty percent are gonna of the jobs yeah, are that, gonna that's one of the predictions forty seven percent in the U S forty seven percent of jobs are gonna be replaced or automated yeah. within the next twenty years and the number was the same for Sweden as well forty seven uh, it was uh, it's a really nice report from the Oxford Martin School from Oxford University mm. uh, so they did this really nice thorough report trying to predict the risk of jobs being automated. And what they could see was that there is growth in two kinds of jobs. And that's jobs where you have to be a specialist at something. That kind of you know, employment is growing. And also manual labor. So low-paying jobs, but that are manual. But the jobs in the middle, those are the ones 
that aren't growing and they're disappearing. And the rationale is that any job that consists of cognitive routine tasks or manual very routine tasks, those are the two types of jobs that are most susceptible to being replaced. For mm. example, like, you know, a typical office worker mm. doing paperwork. If it's routine, even though it's cognitive, you use your brain. If, but if it's routine, you can easily program that and let a computer do it. And even since we have what we call weak AI, we can actually use some form of AI to even tell it how to solve problems mm. if something comes out of the routine. So those are the kinds of jobs that are disappearing, according to this report. And the data is pretty solid, I would say. Maybe the 20-year prediction is wrong. Maybe it's going to happen in 40 years. But still, I think even if it's going to happen in 50 years, we have to start think about it and rearrange how we run society, I think. right? Mm -hmm. uh, schools, for example. Schools are actually kind of custom-made to make you into a middle-class citizen. Mm -hmm. That's what school is optimized for doing, right? I think that's an interesting question. I think that's where it starts. And I think that as well is something you know, I've been personally digging into, like education itself. Why are we, this foundation of our education, how we're creating it right now, it's a very, yeah. in my opinion, very old way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing the same kind of education for so many years. Everything's changing, and we're not keeping up with that change. And it's, it's that foundation of every society that you need to teach the next generation. But I'd imagine, yeah, that the radical changes will be, for especially for the school system. I hope so. Yeah. I think that's where they're needed. Do you know what started the whole public school revolution? No, do tell. That's, that, that's interesting because if we spent 12 years in school, maybe they should teach us how school came about, sure. right? Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I felt a little bit like, why didn't anyone tell me why I'm sitting here for 12 years? Yeah. But as it turns out, public schooling, you know, before everyone had the right to go to school, there were, of course, private schools. So people were being educated, but on a really small scale. But the whole middle class was a result of public schooling, among other things. So as it turns out, the Industrial Revolution started public schooling, especially as industrialism went from the steam engine to mm -hmm. electricity, and things could be, become more effective, and you, needed, you got much bigger organizations, and you needed layers of management, you know. That's when the push for public schooling started from the industrialists because they realized we need a lot of people mm. to put into our factories and they need to have some level of education. So it was a push from the industrialists to create the school. Okay. And, you know, the world, according to an industrialist, was you have a factory and you have an assembly line and you have replaceable parts being built on this assembly line. So you have exactly equal parts that you create in mass, then you put these parts together and you have a product. And if one of the components break, you have thousands more replaceable, identical ones you can just put in. So you make things fast and you make things cheap. So that's kind of how they designed the whole school system. You have a huge number of people learning the exact same things and they become exactly the same kind of citizen. And when you put them in the factory and they don't do their job, you can easily just replace them with another human being because they have kind of exactly the same education. So that's why if you look at an assembly line, you have people sitting in rows 
facing the floor manager and the floor manager can see what everyone is doing. <laughs> and if you look at a classroom, you have people sitting in rows facing the teacher yeah. and it's all about following instructions mm. of the floor manager or in this case, the teacher, right? You have to follow the instructions. It's a preset of things you have to learn and you show that you've learned them and somebody checks the box and after 12 years, you're a finished production of the school system and you have the same identical skills as everyone else. And that's a pretty shocking revelation. It's from a book called Weapons of Mass Education, by the way. Right. I forgot the name of the author. It was a long time ago I read it. I will but link it down below. Yeah, 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 awesome. It's a really good read. And it's scary as well to know that, wow, this system, it's so old. And all of us has been subjected to it for at least 12 years if you grew up here in Sweden. That's something I question mm -hmm. my teachers all the time. Uh, I'm sorry, teachers out there, but yeah, I, I was... I was questioning them way too much on why or how do I use this? That's also one of those yeah, things I think we yeah. uh, tend to forget. Totally. Uh, um, because whenever I got, even if my teacher would have sent, when I was a kid, it said like, this, this is what you need to become an astronaut. Then I would be, I would be okay with that. Yeah. I would be like, like, at that age you're dreaming, of course. And they're like, okay, then I get it. I can use this to measure <laughs> the velocity of my rocket or yeah. to get up there. Yeah. That would have been fine. But when it comes to this, like, no, we, we taught you that. It's because it's the regular the education system is supposed yeah. to be like this. That was the worst answer I could get. <laughs> yeah, it's the biggest turnoff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that is what we kind of have to create. I mean, I kind of listened in on your talk on AI as well on, on the Swedish television. And you said something about humans are really good at dreaming. Yeah. And that creativeness. Yeah. Creativity is something that is very difficult to dig into. Yeah. Um, that random creativity as well, or whatever you believe in, that you, you catch that idea. I think that is what definitely needs to be pinpointed in it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the fact that computers can't dream, right? Mm -hmm. they, can't, they can't generate ideas, at least yet, and we have no clue where that power is coming from, how it's structured, how it looks like. So yeah, it's just like you're saying. I mean, yeah, they can do a lot of tasks, but they can't come up with anything new or create something. And I know a couple of months ago, Google published some images that a computer had oh, dreamt yeah. of sheep and dogs and clouds. and uh, But, I mean, it was a nice PR move, but still there were humans who had told the computer what to dream about, and then exactly. the computer created the output, and it looked really dreamish, some really cool images. And then everyone, a lot of people contacted me like, see, computers can't dream, you know. <laughs> It's like, no, but somebody instructed them yeah. to dream. It's not the same thing. I think that is what, like, you have to always look at the algorithm of it. Yeah. And that's, like, isn't that why some people believe we can't create an AI in the end? Yeah, sure. Because that's an then, argument for it, yeah. Because we, we are, in the end, we were the ones who programmed it, or somewhere along. Yeah. We can't pinpoint consciousness, mm. I guess. Yeah. But I read yesterday a really cool article about the fact that physicists actually are starting to be able to put consciousness in equations and trying to figure out... Have, have you, yeah, I read, you I read that actually read? yesterday as well. Yeah. Did you see it as well? No. It's a really good read. We can yeah. link it below as yeah. well. Mm. But, it, I mean, I don't understand even 5% of the physics behind <laughs> no, no. it. But I guess the gist of it, correct me if I'm wrong, was that you should see consciousness as a, as a state of matter, just mm -hmm. like if molecules are configured in a certain way, mm. or if they interact in a certain way, you have a gas, right? Yeah. And if they're closer together, 
you get a solid or a liquid and so on. And if you get this perfect crystallization of different kinds of atoms and molecules, you eventually, if you have that perfect configuration, you will have the brain. Okay. And so that's a crystallization of matter in the shape of a brain. Mm. But then they were arguing that consciousness should also be seen as a you know state of matter. And from that perspective, they could actually calculate consciousness and put it in equations and uh, so what if you would make an ai you would you would program that physics algorithm into a computational program or how would that work i don't know Mm -hmm. maybe to create consciousness we can't do it programmatically Mm -hmm. with uh, silicon chips maybe we need instead of hardware maybe we need wetware right yeah some uh you know hybrid of code and something biologic or a mimic of biologic right Mm -hmm. maybe so a little frankenstein yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I like where this is headed. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's crazy sci-fi at the moment. Yeah, this is kind of what's Ghost in the Shell, kind of something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, before we continue on this, uh, I guess it's starting to go off in philosophy here. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Uh, we're gonna take a little break, mm-hmm. and we'll be right back. And welcome back. So before the episode, we we're talking a bit about consciousness. I guess it's. Uh, it's a topic that is making me dizzy in many yeah, ways. Me but, too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, looking at the like all these predictions on AI and uh, so on, where do you get those predictions? I mean, how do you? What are you looking at? Are you looking at um, what's that? As technology advances faster, yeah, doubles. Uh, I follow the work of people that are hundred times smarter than me. Yeah, because I mean. I mean, I don't work with AI at all, not in a lab or anything, but there are so many people working on it. They are at the cutting edge. So I think their views are highly valuable, but also many philosophers who are, you know, thinking about these things. I think it's important to not dismiss them either, because, I mean, if you're a scientist and you're working on these things, you're heavily biased of what you're actually developing, right? So it's really hard to keep in mind all of the potential ramifications of creating something like this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I try to follow reports written by the experts in the field. And my favorite one at the moment is the one from the Oxford Martin School because they have so much solid data behind it. So it's not speculation. It's, well, I mean, every, what do you call it? Every trend watch is speculation, obviously, because you try to extrapolate into the future. But they have really good data to back it up, you know, employment trends and things like that. So I try to focus on the things that are going to affect us now, at least when I do talks and things like that. But of course, on my... You've got a chemistry background, right? Yeah. Now I'm going to be really naive and say, how do you think like neurochemistry and AI, um, do they link with anything? Or like if we're going over to like the cyborg mind... In that way because don't we have to understand our own brains and sure. how it works also like neuroscience and chemistry in that aspect sure before we can start looking at what artificial intelligence can do or are we just creating a simple version of it a very simplified no i think uh, a lot of research efforts are actually focusing on figuring out the brain and then just mimic it in software or maybe wetware i don't know yeah. how it's going to look but, yeah, that is one of the main goals. Not only for AI, but also to understand the brain and understand many of the diseases that we have in the brain. So, yes, absolutely. And I think that's where the neural net concept came out of, right? 
how do neurons interact with each other, you know, you get positive feedback, negative feedback from neurons. So you try to figure that out. And from that, we got the neural nets that are actually being used. Those kinds of algorithms are being used in different types of AI that we have. So absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, and that's partly from neurochemistry. How do synapses and neurons interact with each other, you know? Yeah. But we're at a really early level. It's really hard to do a comparison, but I would say just, you know, from anecdotal feeling, maybe as much as we know about where the universe is coming from, we know some parts of it, but we know that there's a lot of shit we don't know. And I think it's almost the same with the brain. We, we can figure it out in isolated instances, like, oh, this is a broken neuron. It's broken because this chemical isn't firing correctly. But when you look at it from the big perspective, we haven't figured out that much yet. But are there simulations running with that? I'm thinking, because yeah. if, if you apply that logic, in that case, I would think, what if you had like a lot of, you know, you, you, would, you would simulate the capacity of a brain, so we'd have to link up a lot of processors to, to, to contain the same capacity. Yeah. And then, say you would simulate an emotional response. Can you, can you, could you think, is it possible to measure it already today? Like if you would simulate the, the activity of a brain, neurons firing, you would simulate it through having a kind of, you know, uh, binary response. Yeah. Uh, between different computer, I mean, different processors. Like yeah. one processor shuts off because you're supposed to mimic the feeling of sadness. So, so all of your uh, dopamine's endorphins stop firing, and then you have uh, I forgot what the sadness hormone is, but there's it's another um, neurological substance. Yeah. Can you measure that and see what happens? Like, if it has a kind of impact on the rest of the brain. You mean in AI systems? In AI or? systems, I'm trying to. You know, I'm. But my question is: Do they need? Good question. I don't know. But then, is it a real because, intelligence? Because as we, yeah, because as you were going before, like, yeah. do we want to mimic human behavior? Yeah. Or do we, or are we just the? I mean, the sex organs for another race. <laughs> yeah. Like we're we're just here to. Yeah. We're mating, but in a slower way, I guess. But for the next generation or the next species above yeah. us. I love that quote, by the way. Is it was it from Kevin Kelly? I think. Like humans are just the sex organs for machines. I stole it from something uh, like I stole that. it from Joe Rogan, but Joe. Oh yeah, Joe Rogan <laughs> said it in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's from uh, Kevin Kelly. I forgot the name of the book, but he has this entire book. Like, what's the point of machines and humans? And um, yeah. I forgot the title about it. We can link it below yeah. as well. But, but yeah, a book list here this time around. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Great, that's yeah. nice. But yeah, I, I love that approach. Like, should they have? emotions at all i mean let's take a extreme case sociopath that totally lacks emotional feeling it's still intelligent and it can still solve problems right exactly so i don't know do they need emotions i don't know but then what 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 kind of purpose would it feel because to me responsibility is an emotional response if you are a complete sociopath then you see cause and effect but do you see the philosophical <laughs> impact of something yeah because, I mean, then, then you have a system which is, well, we live in a decadent society. We produce things because we want them, because it is an emotional gratification. Yeah. But what if the next step just is optimization of the environment? And how, how would that look? What would that become? Would it be like something we could combine with, with the human paradigm? Or would it lead into some kind of divide? I mean, I, I would say I want some fun in my life. I, I, I think even though, because there would be no... For me, there wouldn't be as much purpose in creating something or 
creating something that's optimizing. I love efficiency and optimization. Yeah. But, but there is a, there's that. a great book, or I is called Player of Games. It's about in the future where they've optimized probably most of the things and human beings live great lives. Um, okay. We have all the different um, tools to like change gender if we feel like it. And it becomes really a that future we kind of seek pleasure um, mm. and create and yeah. instead so play, we don't play, have to work in that so we don't have to work in that what, what, what would the criteria be yeah. of AI yeah. yeah what would yeah because I think that's where the question is do we want to create something that is outside of us or similar to us or are we going to use them I don't know and will AI have a self purpose and in that case yeah. what would that self purpose be if it's a fabricated existence yeah I'm trying to think, Is do I feel the need to have an AI that feels emotions? Or should I, why do I want it? Because there are so many humans with emotions anyway, right? But that leaves me with the conclusion that, well, their only purpose should be to automate everything so we don't have to do the hard, boring work. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless, somebody or many people will try to build that. And I think eventually they will succeed in building that. They're companion bots. Right? Companion bots with or without emotions. I don't know. You know, when you think like what created me and then who created that, which created me and you start thinking in that loop and your brain just shuts down and you're mm. like, Oh, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's, that's the true. feeling I get that's when I true. think, do I want the AI because of its emotions? Do I want it to automate things? I get that same feeling. My brain just shuts down because I really don't know. I guess it would be really cool to try it out, but th what's the purpose? Or can you right? fall in love with it? Mm. Yeah, like in the movie Her. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. That is so cool. Because I think that is already, yeah. like, looking at spam bots, like, that first message actually makes you think, like, oh, this is a human being over here, but it's actually just a bot. Yeah. It's just an algorithm. And um, I find that fascinating that probably if it continued talking, yeah. they're, they're today, like, if we look at Watson... You could probably fool me that this is a being, yeah. and I would start feeling something yeah. for that, like that machine. That I find kind of scary. Yeah. And did you feel for the operating system in the movie Her? Yeah, yeah. I got I emotions yeah, for for yeah. it or her or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And I I knew it was a fantasy movie, but still I got emotions for that character, even though I know it's not real. Not only because it's in a movie, but in the movie, it's just an artificial intelligence. Exactly. To me, that's evidence enough. I think totally we can, we can get emotional about an AI. I mean, when I look at Asimo, you know, the Honda robot mm. that can walk, I get emotional when I see the face and it's happy, you know, and it's moving and waving. But I don't know if it's because Asimo is so smart or because we're so stupid and we easily are fooled to think that the thing has emotion. But I think we will be attached to AI. I think the human brain has a capacity to become attached and emotional for something. I mean, even already, though it's not human. Yeah. We're already right. attached to our phones that yeah. much. So, yeah. I mean, right. I'm wondering if it'll be a kind of, in the kind of interlude between where we are now and where we could be, you'll have a point, I think, where you have a lot more augmented reality. Yeah. I'm thinking about the point where we could, you could walk around with like a, a real like existing encyclopedia of everything. Yeah. And at that point, what if you could connect that to neurological responses so that when you, you would have some kind of measurement tool to measure what you think and feel when you want to search for something like, I want to know about this, and then you're excited. And this kind of thing will, 
there will be an AI in real time measuring what you're thinking and feeling and then understanding how people uh, sense a situation like you feel you feel enticed by war because it's something in the reptilian brain. So you yeah. teach an AI that war is something that agitates human beings and you can use it both with and, and with, with pros and cons. Same way of, you know, wanting to search for like a uh, work of a novel of love or like a, a scary book when you're a child. Like um, some kind of AI that monitors the transition between human res- emotional response into an encyclopedia and what you think and feel. But then, then that's like having an augmented reality situation where you have a some kind of I would say tool connected to your neurological responses and your thought uh, thought waves, mm-hmm. so that you would think and feel at the same time, and then that would be registered, and that could be the kind of foreground to registering how every kind of human being connected to this kind of network would feel towards every situation. So, like an emotional index, an emotional of the index, whole world of yeah. the whole world reacting to every kind of situation. So it would learn that. Some people like war, like yeah. brutally vicious individuals. Yeah. And some people, you know, like want to read up on serial killers. And yeah, some yeah. people, all of those kind of responses. So you get a full spectrum of what and how people can feel towards any kind of situation. That would be really cool. Imagine how you could optimize politics. If you could oh, measure everyone's emotions about everything <laughs> at the same time. Right? Like a Google Analytics for all the human brains on the planet. Wow. That would be really cool. I would not want yeah. to say, like that's yeah. why I need the next AI that like visualizes that for me because I would not like I just want a like a smiley or a sad smiley otherwise I'm going <laughs> to yeah otherwise I'm not going to be able to read that data of I'm going to be way too it's going to be like the matrix <laughs> yeah right? but but we're actually closing in on that they did uh, an experiment recently uh, where they could scan the brain signals from mm-hmm. humans and they they could recreate the images that the humans were thinking of I mean, of course, it wasn't a HD picture, <laughs> obviously, but I mean, just they were like tapping into that just a little bit, but still, it's an important step to try to translate what's going on in here into what we actually how we actually interpret it. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of progresses are being made, you know. They were doing it on yeah. people who were dreaming, right, as well. They yes, dreaming as well. Capture yeah. the dreaming image, yeah. which uh, I don't want <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes as well. A lot of good ideas could pop up in my head. Though. Totally. I mean, it would be creepy, but cool, yeah. I guess. But of course, I mean, it's in the early stages. Yeah. So they had to scan the brains while they were awake and tell them, like, okay, think about a butterfly. And then they would record the signals and try to find a pattern. So it was a, it was a very carefully set up experiment. But still, it's a, it's a nice first step. But then I'm wondering, was were all the responses from every participant the same? Like, did, did it look the same on the charts when everyone thought of a butterfly, or was it different for different people? I guess, I mean, since it was a constructed experiment, mm. it wasn't that they could see, oh, this person is thinking about a green butterfly, or I don't think the resolution was that. No, not, not at that level. Or the granularity in the data. But let's say I would sit myself in a chair, they would yeah. hook me up to the system, and I would think of a butterfly. And then you sit yourself, and you think yeah. of a butterfly as well. Would the results on the monitor be the same? Or would it be different because our brains could be wired differently? Oh, I think they were, they were different. Yeah. yeah. So it's unique to every human being. Mm. But um, but the accuracy was really high. I think it was they hit they were on the spot ninety five percent of the time or something like that ninety percent something with ninety which is really high. So I mean it works. It's very constructed at the moment, but it works. Yeah. Oh. And now IBM has these um, they call it the synapse chips. So you know the the computer the CPUs that we have in our computers, uh, 
they don't do parallel processing, right? You have one cycle, everything runs through that cycle. You can't have things being calculated at the same time. But what IBM is doing, they try to re recreate how the human brain works, right? Where we have millions of parallel processes going on mm -hmm. at the same time. So they created these chips that work like neurons. Yeah, the quantum processor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think those Isn't are quantum even. No, it's just the way they work, but it's not quantum. They call it the synapse chips, I believe. Okay. And with that, they are trying to teach the computer to learn. And also one important feature of the human brain, which is to fill in the gaps, right? Like we have a blind spot in each eye, yeah. but we don't see the blind spot because the brain just fills in the gap with whatever information there is around it. And if I start to draw something, before I'm done with the drawing, you can kind of guess what I'm about to draw. So they could teach the computer the same skills. So you, you started drawing the number three, and you could see that the computer was kind of guessing before you were done what you were about to write. So small steps, but scientists are slowly getting there to replicate the human brain oh. like that. But yeah, I don't think anyone knows what the final result is going to be. That's going to be exciting. Very exciting. Um, okay, but before we round off, I'm just going to ask you, if one was really interested in AI, what, which universities or where, where would you go? What would you be reading? Universities, I don't know if like this one is the best in AI. I yeah. think there's a, there are a lot of universities working on AI, on AI and different aspects of it. But um, company-wise, I yeah. think it's easier to pinpoint like, I think IBM are doing the most exciting things at the moment, but they are very open about it. Then you have DeepMind, which was uh, acquired by Google. And I think it was the DeepMind AI that beat a human being in the game Go. Do you know how the game works, by the way? I don't it's know. It's a that... very complicated game, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's even complicated than chess, right? Yes. Like a thousand yes. times more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You can play on several boards as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Simultaneously, yeah. I mean, yeah. But um, to be honest, which labs are at the forefront at the moment, I don't know. Yeah, that's totally understandable. So we usually have a little checkout question. I'm going to check out with, like, what would you, in your everyday life, what would you want to automate it? Like, what can we have a robot for? That's a really nice question. I'm trying to think about all the boring things that I do. Yeah, okay, how about a robot that washes your clothes, and takes care of your dishes. Sounds nice. Right? Yeah. It's not deep philosophical, mm. no. but that would create so much time yeah. for everyone. Exactly. I, I, I'm gonna, I would say dishes. I hate dishes. Dishes, yeah. Dishes drain me. They kill me. Little bits of me die inside. <laughs> so please, whoever is creating the next robot or AI, go for a dishwasher. Yeah, or, or just transferring the stuff to the dishwasher, Yes, it's the, right? stand, it's the transferring, transferring yeah. is already enough. That's yeah. the, the, yeah. I would say I want to I wanna kind of like, um, I don't know if you played played Fallout ever. Yeah, Yeah. the new one. Actually. The new one, exactly. Yeah. There, there's a robot called Codsworth, which is just a home butler. I would yeah. want a home butler, which I could turn <laughs> yeah. on whatever I want yeah. and just tell him, I'll do this, you'll do that, and then we'll, we'll meet at the end of the day and we'll discuss whatever. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. I love that. Cool. So thank you very much. Um, thank you guys. If you guys are listening in, want to continue this talk, you can get us on Hyper or Talks Hyper. That's our official Hyper Talks um, 
Twitter. Um, you can reach me at at Blimlin. Jim. And me at, at Jim Schillings. Um, how can we reach you? Which can if we want to? Yeah, on, on Twitter, I'm Tourist in Space. Tourist in Space. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Until Thank you, guys. Time. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Mine too. Hypertox. 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 Hypertox.